Hey, 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 guys. It is Allison from Allison Answers. How the heck are you guys today? Do you know that right here in New York, there is a hurricane kind of scare, which is meaningless right now because nothing's going on. But anyhow, we are here virtually with my fast friend, Dylan, who's in Arate with me. And I'm going to, I want to just tell you, I'm, I'm having uh, Dylan here and we're going to learn a lot about who this dude is because he is, he's got so much to share and he is an entrepreneur, first of all, a successful entrepreneur of Cowabunga Studios, and he's going to explain that to us. He's really cool the way he explains it, and most of us won't understand because he's too freaking smart for us normal people. And then he is, um, he's also an electrical engineer and a Arate member, which means he's a man of excellence, and he is an ultra elite uh, what would I call you? Ultra elite powerhouse athlete runner guy who can like just, I don't know, outdo us all. But he is here to talk about kind of his story and his primary message, which I love. You know, this is a guy here. Let me tell you, I talked to him for a little bit, you know, um, before we started record and everything. And he's a a guy who's chill, but he's also, he has so much inside of him. So, and I can tell, I can see it. I can see it in his eyes. I can see how steady, like you can just hear his steadiness, but his message is incredible. And I, I really, I really like what his message is. It says, it's more like you've got, there's got to be more in you than you believe. And, um, I mean, he's a, he's a, a person who you watch, you're going to see him. He's going to be, he's going to be like probably a gazillion billionaire one day I'm telling you. Okay. So Dylan, how the heck are you? How does it feel okay. to be here? Good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, really appreciate I'm it. so happy to have you. I really am. So tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell, can you tell us, let's start with the idea of um, you and I are both members of Arate right? And most people don't know what that means. And it sounds kind of freaky, but maybe you could explain it because I'm, I'm planning on having different people from Arate on because they are really, really cool elite people who are people who wanting to be a force for good on earth and to change the face of business um, as a force for good on earth. So um, I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm proud to know you. Any person in Arate that I know, I learn from and I grow from. Every minute I've spoken to you, I've learned something. So thank you. So tell us like about you and Arate and what made you choose it and a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. The big catalyst for me in joining Arate was I knew at the time that I was going to move from Midwest, Indianapolis, out to California to really go full-time in a Cowabunga Studios. So that's when the applications came out, and I had no plans on, you know, what I was going to really do other than, like, I'm going to just try and make this work. So joining Arte was, like, a kind of a big commitment at the time yeah. since I didn't, you know, have clients really lined up or anything. I just I had enough runway to go for a while, and I'd done other coaching programs through 
different people, gone to, you know, a number of events. And I just knew that what Ed and Andy were doing, so Andy Frisella and Emma Milet, what they were doing, and I'd followed them for a while, was going to be special. It was going to be different, and it was going to be what I needed to get to the next level. I would. Can I ask you a question? What made yeah. them special to you? I'm curious. So I had followed or listened to Andy's podcast for a while, the MFCO project. And I found Ed's podcast right when it came out, like at the beginning of, or at the end of 2017, I think it was when his first podcast released. So I, I didn't know him from his financial world um, at all. But I, as soon as he came out, like I listened to the guy and I was like, wow, this is different than everybody else that's out there. Yeah. And they, they know what they're doing. They're very wealthy. They run real businesses and let's just give it a shot. You know, I don't know really what's going to happen or where this is going to go, but like, I'll give it a shot. So, I mean, I joined before there was anything about Arte. It was just Andy saying, Hey, we're going to do this. And you know, I'll sign up. And when, but you, when you signed up, what did you think you were signing up for? Cause it was like the way they presented was very like, I don't know, like mysterious, like, and it was like very exclusive. Like it's hard to get in. It's only when I signed up, it was like you had like a day or something like, okay, sign up and good luck. You'll never get in basically. Good luck because you suck. There's no, nothing about you that's great enough to be in our program, but try it anyhow, basically. Yeah. I mean, so the, like for Arte, like I get that they were doing it exclusively and then that the, you know, the initial thing was just, a small group of entrepreneurs at a very high price point, right? And so I, I had no idea what the price was going to be or how they were going to do it. So for me, it was just like, okay, I'll get in maybe and then figure the rest out later. Yeah, It was not like I didn't have a true understanding of what it was going to be, yeah. but I was like, I need coaching. I need this group in some way, shape, or form. I don't know how. And then we're just going to see where it goes. Um and over the last two years now, I mean, it's been one of the best decisions I've made. I wouldn't be, you know, I worked from home before uh, everything that's going on. I've, yeah. So I've worked from home for the last two years. I've worked from home before. So like working from home for me isn't like that big of a deal. I'm a pretty self-driven person. So being at home is fine. But then to just be in your own mind space and not have, um, uh, the ability to go and talk to others. And Arte gave me that. Talk to others that were in the same position or to get help from people that were further down the road than me. And that was a big benefit for me over the last two years. Not always, you know, like a direct applicable thing for business, but just in like my mindset, my confidence, my ability to continue persevering through everything. And I mean, that's worth so much. Yeah, they're going to be the people, like I should say, we're going to be the people who are going to say, no, no, you can do this. Like, and if there's like a kink in your mind, something that's wrong, that's off, that's, t that's, that's leading you down a path that you don't, that you don't belong on, or that's not going to bring you where you want to go, you know, it's the network is going to help you to see your greatness, right? I mean, everybody sees everybody's greatness in there, which is right. Everybody's looking for everybody, digging for gold. Like, what do you got that we can maximize in your life? 
Yeah, for sure. And there's going to be people that you vibe with and people that you don't, right, mm-hmm. that are on a different path that have sure. different energy than you do. And mm-hmm. you just, that's okay, right? Everybody's got their own type of person that they need to, that they connect with just better. Yeah. And you're, you're going to have a few friendships. I mean, out of the group, you know, it's thousands of people, right? You're not going to yeah. meet everybody. You're not yeah. going to have mm-hmm. tons of conversations with everybody, but kind of the ones that show up in your life. And that's really what it is. They show up that you're going to have those connections with them and that'll take this and then they'll introduce you to the right people down the line. And you just have to trust that that's going to happen and not going, it's not a quick transaction. Like in any relationship, you're some people try to go for like the quick transaction or, you know, what can I take from you? Whereas if you come in with a mindset really of what can I give, you know, let me just be friends with this person. I know it'll pay off in the long term or whether that's just in friendship or in business, right? Like I know being friends with this guy will pay off in business, but I also just want to be friends with them, right? I want to be able to bounce ideas off of and I can help them. They can help me. And it's just a mutual relationship for everybody's benefit. And like, I've got a few of those in Arte that, some you're just like, how did this happen? <laughs> this yeah. is better than like I thought, yeah. whatever, you know, be. And then others are just like, yeah, this is meant to be. So. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you something, um, Dylan, that I think that's so true. And it's like this idea that, um, you know, I talk about is like, it's like compound interest. You know, it's like these little small interactions, they just build and build. And it's amazing how great, um, how great the outcome can be, you know, just, and it, and I do think in, in a lot of ways, I mean, I, I'm like a person of faith. So I feel like there's a, there's like these little subtle interactions that just show up. Like, why does one work and not another, you know, like, um, you know, like we're here today now because our paths cross through RTA and, and it just, it just happened that way. Right. And it's, um, and I always feel like, you know, that I think the key point that you just said is like, you know, what can I give? And like, I feel like my morning question is how can I add value today? I want to add value wherever I go. So instead of looking at how I can get value, what can I do? Like I, I asked the question, how can I be of best service to God and man today? What, what's the, what's the best position? How can I do that? And like, I feel like it positions us on that day to no matter what, you're going to, you're going to find the opportunity because the opportunity to love, to give is, oh, it's always there. If you, if you're looking for it, right, whatever we look for, we find. So, and you have found so much, right? I mean, just from being, do you feel like it's, you know, just, it's probably part of all the experiences you've had all at once, but it all coming together, meeting your girlfriend, like the different things you've described all coming together to bring you where you are today? Do you feel, do you see like Arte have contributed, but what are all the other things that have brought you where you are and where are you today? Also, we have to say. Yeah. I mean, it's always a culmination of where you are and the action being taken to get there. So you have to like plan out your end game, right? Not enough people plan out the like end game of where they're going. They don't think through like, they don't have goals, they don't have dreams, or you might, but it's a small one. It's that next step. It's not 
10 steps down the road. Like I never, I played chess, but I, you know, I'm not a grandmaster and never really pursued it that way. But it, like they always talk about, you got to play out, you know, the next, not one or two moves, but five, six, seven moves. And most people aren't even thinking about that in their life, right? What are the next, however many moves that they're going to take or where they're going to go. And you don't always have to know how you're going to get there, but you do have to kind of see where that end result might yeah. be or a bigger dream. And you're, you can always adjust it, right? It's all in your mind anyway. It's, it's, you know, set in stone. So having that kind of plan of where you're going um, is a, is a big thing. So for, and then where I am today with Calabunga Studios, it's been quite a journey. Um, so I founded it and I think I filed all my business paperwork in 2016, July, 2016. So I'm right at four years uh, in it. And really the first two were developing the, the software. So as an electrical engineer in commercial construction, so think schools, hospitals, offices, condo towers, you know, multi-use stuff. I mean, big, big commercial projects. We, it's long hours, it's late nights, it's weekends, it's a lot of stress. And I, through the industry, knew a lot of people that, or heard of a lot of people that had health problems, you know, whether that's um, heart attacks, strokes, high blood pressure, um, like it was not uncommon right through the industry just people you're dealing with large dollar amounts you're in constant battles daily on projects you know people want money for this or that not that it's our money but we're looking out in the best interest of the owner to make sure that they're getting a fair shake and not getting taken advantage of so it's just a constant battle constant stress and for me that kind of culminated at the beginning of 2018 so i i got shingles which, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you've ever Yes, had or... I have. I've had shingles, and it was at the most stressful time in my life. So I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, because it's yeah. a stress-triggered deal, yep. Yep. which 100%. I had no idea until I was like four days into it. Yeah. So it's torture. Two days... Yeah, I mean, mine was on my chest and back. Oh, my um, God. And for those of you that haven't had shingles, so it's a rash, it's itchy, it's painful, <laughs> through it and so you take antivirals for 10 days plus like some painkillers like ibuprofen acetaminophen whatever to just kind of numb it a little bit and for me like i was going on vacation so this is like the worst time to deal with this and kind of through that catalyst of like i can't enjoy vacation this is supposed to be a break and it's not i I kind of knew I was quitting my job at that point. So this was like six months before I quit. At that point, I knew I was quitting. Like I knew that in six months, I'm going to quit. I'm going to move uh, from Indianapolis to California to be with my girlfriend, now wife. So that one worked out and make that transition. And from that point, for me getting health issues, for everybody else, else get health issues, throughout the industry, I mean, I knew that I had to be the one to make the change within the industry so that people did not have to deal with this ever again. So that's kind of, that is my mission is to really just give engineers, contractors, architects a better life. You know, I'm starting with engineers because that's what I know. That's what I did. And then I'm going to build all the systems to really help all of construction 
not have to deal with, you know, these crazy hours, this financial stress, you know, that's not even theirs. It's not even their own finances. It's just project finances and just the stress of, of these projects and timelines, deadlines, all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's what Cowabunga Studios was built on. And then, so we automate the process of designing those buildings. So where all the lights go, all the outlets, all the switches, all the fire alarm devices, um, so all like your data. They, do they give you, they give you like the, basically the blueprint of the layout of the structure and then the program just like splashes what needs to be there? Effectively, yep. So the, the architects will design the building, they'll do the layout, they model it in a 3D software. So once walls, floors, doors, ceilings, room names are determined and then you know modeled, designed, then our software comes in and pulls all that stuff down. So on a, for example, so a really large like high school project, 300,000 square feet, it's gonna be a, you know, 4,000, 5,000 student high school. So I mean, big, big high school. That would take 2,000 hours to design. So that whole wow. design process takes 2,000 hours. Using my software, I can cut 800 hours out of that project. Wow. So it's like they're taking that and it does everything to code, right? Is that what it is? It just like puts it. So with the engineers, they still need to review it for code. They still yeah. need to review it for coordination once furniture gets in and all that kind of oh, other yeah. stuff. But the initial layout of a project is going to be done for them. So that's a manual process. You might have seen like drafting boards yeah, and, yeah, yeah. in high school. And it's still kind of done, but it just, you know, point and click yeah. through a model versus, you know, hand drafting it. So it's still a very tedious, time-consuming process. And we're with a few parameters. I mean, you still make selections on what you want within a given room. Yeah. But it's going to do all that manual, tedious work for you. Wow. That's so do you, are you finding like a lot of grateful people in the construction industry? Like, is that happening? Like with automation, most owners, and this is across industries. So automation in and of itself, a lot of business owners are hesitant to kind of relinquish Mm -hmm. that. So a big part of what we do is a mindset shift. They have to embrace like new technology, not that they necessarily always like it because they might feel that it's either going to take jobs or it's not going to be right. Or because when they think automation, they think all of it's done for me. It's uh, not quite the case. Like that's there's, what still, I thought. there's still a lot that you need to do. There's still a big coordination piece. There's mm-hmm. still like engineering that needs to be done. We're just helping with that first initial layout. And then you can take it from there. So we're doing all of your drafting, all that tedious stuff for you. So it's, it is a mindset set shift and we're the first one in the industry to do it. So we're having to educate more than you know, the, the next people that come in would have to do um, to embrace automation. So you can see it like throughout uh, multiple industries with like automated email campaigns and all this other stuff. Yeah. People are hesitant to kind of yes. hand that off or chat bots or anything like that. Um, but once you kind of start to hand it off to a to something that can do the, the simple, easy stuff, your life's going to get a lot better. You know what I think is like cool about it is that it's that 
you've saw a problem. I mean, that's what an entrepreneur does, right? You see a problem and you find a solution, you know, like in, in, um, our counseling centers, like the, one of the core values is that there is always a solution, you know, and we live in the solution and not in the problem. Right. So it's like that. I mean, that's what you do. You have that mind that sees the problem you and, and a heart to change it. And you have a mission. And you know what I love also is that you're, <clears throat> cause I can hear what you're, it's like, and you're so smart to say it's the mindset. Like it's that those incremental, um, interactions with people that help them to slowly change and and get to a point where they can actually have something great and change their lives. So many people are so afraid of change. I mean, I bet that you're hit with that all the time because, I mean, our brains are scanning for trouble. That's the prime, one of the primary things, like the part of our brain, our archaic brain is doing. It's looking for a problem to keep us safe. So people will get like stuck in this mindset. And that's why I, I, I love your mission also about you. you there's got to be more inside of you. There's, you have more in you than you believe you have. And it's like the same thing, the same mission that I have that, you know, um, we are so automated. It's interesting because you have an automated system, but we as our bodies are automated to just follow social norms, to follow um, what everybody else is doing, whatever the industry has been doing for that period of time, like look at the public school system. It's like we're so bound to large systems. We're afraid of something new because we don't believe that something great can happen. And nothing great ever happens without going into something that's never been done before. And I was, you know, if you look at Edison, you look at Ford, you look at any, any person who has developed something, the Wright brothers. I mean, it's so ridiculous they had to reach into a place that, that has never existed and with their vision be able to create something in their mind before it happens. And that's what I'm hearing you're doing. So you're, you're reaching in, you know, like, I mean, it, it, I don't even think it's corny. You won't think it's corny, but maybe I don't care who thinks it's corny, honestly, and don't comment on a corny. But basically the right, <laughs> you look shocked by what I said. The right, like the right brothers, they smashed into, you know, this, you know, traveling in the air. We think nothing of it, right? But th these guys were, l probably looked like such idiots. I mean, think about it. If you saw your neighbor, like, running through the, whatever, the backyard with these wings, you'd be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? But it's like he created, like, this unbelievable transformation to our whole society. I mean, they, I should say, but it's the same thing. Like, do you feel that same like energy in this? Like maybe it's not the right brothers, but, or creating a car, but it's big. Yeah. I mean, construction is a huge, huge industry and there's a, there's a lot of moving parts to it. There's a lot of jobs tied up into it. But the other thing too, with construction, I mean, it's super cyclical. Um, you know, within your given area, within, you know, the country that, you know, life can be good for a while, but then there's times where it's not. And when it's not, it's bad. Yeah. You know, it's real bad. It's yeah. not a little bad. It's typically a lot bad. So I mean in that field, particularly. Yeah. Within yeah. construction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the housing uh, bubble in 08 was yeah. one. 
that trickled through all of construction, right? So in some areas, like housing prices were depressed and they're depressed for years. Yeah. So nobody builds anything, no one does anything. So if you were in construction, you know, even single family home building, like you're not doing anything for like two years. Yeah. You know, how, what what are you doing in that time? So it weeds out a lot of people through that. And if that's all you knew, it's really hard. So yeah, yeah, that's part of what we want to do too, is to even that, you know, plane where you don't have these huge spikes, you don't have these huge dips in work and output that you're able to kind of even that workload and construction's not like a sexy industry either. So you don't have many people going into it, which then causes problems to where you, you have people, the people that are in it, they know it. And so now they're having to take all that workload for, more work, more projects, more building, but you don't have anybody coming in to kind of help shrink that workload. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back uh-huh. down to like even keel. So by implementing systems that can help you, you can even out your workload, you know, where like a big thing in construction is, I mean, just late nights and weekends, right? So that's missed dinners, missed soccer practices, missed whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that can, you do that for long enough it really wears on you. Yeah, it's, that's so super true. And there's all these deadlines, and right? I mean, I know we're renovating our building, and my husband's the only one doing it, basically, and he works from like 6 in the morning till 10 at night. He's in construction. He was a CB in the Navy. So, like, you know, I mean, it's like it's grueling, and it's hard on your body. That's I'm talking about the physical labor. I mean, I know yeah. you're not really talking about that, but, yeah, I mean, I, I get it, what you're saying. Do you like, do you see the relationship between like your success and creating your business and then what you've done physically? Cause I definitely, I mean, we can still talk about Cowabunga and all of that, but I just want to know about that as well. I'm sure, sure they intertwine. Yeah. So probably the best place to start is so at the end of college, I was rock climbing every week. We drove down to a rock climbing gym, the university paid for it. So it was you know, free little Friday evening rock climbing. And that kind of translated into after uh, college and just going to rock climbing gym. But I found myself one, I think this was in like October, right after I graduated, 2011, where I was at a buddy's house. We were having some beers, throwing the football around. And like, I was just tired. I was like, what the heck? You know, just throwing the football around, can't can't really breathe and not because of you like 21 yeah 21 (laughs) right and it's like what the heck you know like this is easy to you know throw football around for 20 minutes and here i am out of breath yeah so that catalyzed me to go like go join a gym and i joined a ymca that had a rock wall all that kind of stuff and through rock climbing there at the y they had like a 40 foot wall that i met a group of Women, primarily, there was one or two other guys, but that ran, and they'd already run multiple marathons. So they invited me out for a eight-mile run on a Saturday morning. I didn't know any better. I showed up in, like, basketball shorts, cotton shirt, you know, some tennis <laughs> shoes, and picked up a Gatorade on the way, right? Nothing. For like, eight miles for your first Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't yeah. all prepared. Didn't know what, like, <laughs> this really was. So we ran it with them. was fine-ish for that day. Uh, But anyone that's run any sort of distance knows that it's always the next day and it's always going down stairs. 
So when you go downstairs, your quads have to actually fire. So it uh, it was tough. Like, and I lived in a second story apartment. Did you run eight miles that day? Yeah. How the hell did you do that when you never did it before, or did you do it? So running has become a like very social thing for me. Yeah. From being with that group, I mean, so when you talk through like the whole running, I mean, and it's like a run walk, right? So you run a mile. Oh walk. yeah minute or two and then you know run another mile and for us and just like that group it was social i mean we talked the entire time for however long we're out there right and i've with that group i ran anywhere from eight to 20 miles so like you also get to know a city pretty well when you start yeah, running that's cool 20 miles through it and so running's been a very social thing and for a lot of people you're listen to music or maybe a podcast or whatever but when you actually speak and you're in conversation where you have to do a back and forth your mind's not focused on what you're doing with your body like you're not even paying attention to your your physical self mm. because your mind is elsewhere right so i talk about being able to like can you throw your mind somewhere else to not deal with what you're in so you can keep going so that applies to a ton of stuff you know like do you need to write that email or write that report or do that next thing and it's 10 o'clock at night? If you're going to dwell on all the excuses or whatever else and throw your mind into like that piece versus like, I'm just going to do this and kind of shove your uh, complaining mind elsewhere. Like, can you throw it elsewhere to do the thing in front of you? And so, I mean, I joined that group, became a very social thing where, you know, we ran every weekend and, you know, I climbed and exercised during the week, ran. So that was in October-ish. Um, ran my first marathon in April, the Derby Marathon, and then in Louisville, Kentucky, and then ran Chicago that October. And I'd signed up for both of them before I did the first one. The next year, so 24 months, roughly 22, 24 months, I did uh, Louisville Ironman in 2013. Could you describe it? Uh, Iron Man, a lot of yeah. people won't know what it is. So Iron Man, uh, it's been around for 35, 38 years now. Yeah. It was first done in Kona, Hawaii. So on the big island of Hawaii. And it's a 2.4 mile swim, open water swim, typically. So you're in a lake, ocean, river. And so 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112 mile bike. And then a 26.2 mile run all within 17 hours. So you start at seven in the morning and then you have until midnight to finish. And that's, and you have cutoffs like throughout the day. Okay, wait a minute. Listen to me. Do you hear the way you're saying that? I mean, can I say it now? Cause holy, uh, holy shit, Dylan. Did you hear what you just said? I'm sorry. And you, you're so calm. But bottom line is, listen to what you just said. I don't even know if I can repeat it. You said, wait a minute. You said a 2.4-mile swim in open water, wherever that is, some body of water. Then did you say a 112-mile bike ride? Yep. Okay. And then a 26-and-a-half-mile run within? Yeah. Full marathon. Full marathon. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. I was just trying to, like – I'm elongating the words because you say it literally, you said it as if you were going to walk outside to your mailbox to get the mail. 
No, seriously, that's exactly how you sounded. So I have to not allow that. Do you hear the way this this guy said that? I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. I'm. I just. This is unbelievable. And so you did that, I, and look at you. You're still just like so calm about it. Okay. If you were in front of me, I'd shake your shoulders. Okay. So you did that when 2013. So before you did that, let's yeah. just back up for a second. How did you get to the point in your life where you were like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I am. I can do this. Listen, I work out every day. I'm doing 75 hard. I'm in the rain and the, the storms and whatever. I wouldn't even. I know it's all mindset. I got it. I know that. I believe that. But if I walked up and knew I was doing that, I mean, obviously you trained for it. But. How'd you get there? It was just incremental, like we were talking about before, and then this, and it's nothing to yeah. you the way you, s- you look at me and say it. And I'm, I feel like yelling at you. Sorry, I do. I so my first marathon was my first ever race. Like I never ran track or anything in high school. <laughs> so I mean, the first time I ever towed a line was a marathon, and the just the group that I ran with. So they'd already done five or six marathons at this point. And there's four or five women. One of them has now completed all the majors. So she's done, um, I think there's eight races. So Tokyo, Chicago, Berlin, London, New York. I'm probably missing a couple, but the major marathons in the world. And then there, uh, a few of them, their spouses had, one was a big cyclist. He never did races or anything, but would go like take a day off of work and go ride 60 miles. And another one, um, her husband had done a bunch of Ironmans. So, like, I knew about them. She'd done, I think, a couple half Ironmans. And then um, one of the other girls that was in the group was also, like, a master swimmer. So, I mean, all these people, you know, they were doing all this stuff. So, for me, it was just like, okay, well, yeah, I swam. I'm a decent swimmer. Uh, That's fine, you know, and rode a bike but never that far <laughs> you just kind of go I you know you this. just escalate the stuff but i mean like i don't know one of my first bike rides when i got like a real road bike was probably i don't know 30 miles so it's like a two two and a half hour ride and you know maybe done spin class and all that kind of stuff but it it just escalates over time and you're just like yeah. oh, i'm gonna go do this you go look at the bigger races and over time that's just it's second nature and yeah in Louisville in particular and there's you know a few others where they have Ironman courses so I mean Ironman came to, came to town every year and I mean it was just there was a lot of people that came that trained that there was a big triathlon or triathlete community so it was just normal like you'd go for a ride or a run on a given road like you'd see everybody out there training for Ironman riding the course all that kind of stuff so for for me in that area, in that community, it was just what people did and you kind of fell into it. It's not big by any means, but you know, it's the people you hang around. Listen, I, I, I have to pull out some beautiful things in what you just said, okay? Cause I'm hearing them as you're talking and I just want to illuminate them. So the thing that you said, you're describing this, I hear two major like, um, success, success hacks and like, um, like 
almost like spiritual foundational things in what you're describing. So one thing is like, you know, we're the sum of, they say the five people you ha- you spend most of your time with. And neurologically, that's true because we know that we shame, share brain waves. We also know that um, we also, there's power in mastermind groups and that when two or more are gathered together, there's a power greater than us present. So there's something going on here, like, and I'm, and it's almost like you're in the water and with all these people and the water is raising and you're just raising with the water. And you're this young man who's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Well, I'm game. What the heck? I just, and I just love just your vibe is funny in the context of what you're describing. Cause you're like, you have this this vibe that's like this and the whole crowd's gone and you're just, you're just going to do the whole thing. And I, the other principle I see that's just fantastic is this, the idea of, you know, let's, uh, let's say you had the vision of the Iron Man or you're, you're seeing it out there, but the, everything we do in the moment that we're in accumulates and accumulates and accumulates and all these different experiences, just when you're describing this man and, and this woman and this one is a, an elite swimmer and an elite, you know, this guy rides, rides, and that all of this pressure around you creates and all the decisions you're making along the way and saying yes, that's the other thing, is that you're a yes person, but I think with great logic, though, not a foolish yes person. Without, I can tell. I mean, it's obvious. I'd be afraid to say yes to something that you would be like, no, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's funny too. So when I did most, so I think I was still at the same weight. So when I did Ironman in 2013, I was like 210 pounds. So it's like in the, what they consider Clydesdale division um, of, you know, it's a bigger people and you, the funny thing with Ironman is if you ever go and watch like the finish line of an Ironman event, you'll see dudes that are, I mean, big guys, right? Big belly, big dudes, and they're finishing. Are and you then kidding? You'll... Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you mean like he- like a, a little overweight? Is that what you mean? Like well, You would never picture them doing an Ironman. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Big old gut, just big dude, right? Like, yeah. and they're, they're finishing. Wow. Um, but then you'll see the... Well, you won't see them, but earlier in the day, uh, <laughs> younger guys that are fit and you'd think would be able to do it, <clears throat> can't make it. And that's, it's a total mindset deal. Can you push harder? Can you go further through or not? And like, it plays out in a ton of ways. So, but I was 210 for that. Like I'm sitting at 180 right now. So, I mean, like weight doesn't have to do it it's can you push further faster right or just further can you go longer i mean like i did and then the whole like time thing so i mean with 75 hard or any of these other events like i did on my 23rd birthday i did a half iron man so i went and did 70.3 miles in the morning and then went and hung out with some friends in the evening right like 70.3 miles of those three things swimming running and riding yeah, so a full Ironman is 140.6 miles. Okay. Um, and then you just have the distance. So 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike ride, okay. and 13.1 mile run. 
And for 75 hard, you get the same things, right? Where you're not going to be able to maybe enjoy quote, whatever, right? You're not going out for this or or the other thing. And you just, you go and do it. But I think events or birthdays or anniversaries or whatever, getting people's way of actually making a change. And if you just incorporate those things into your life, it's way easier to do than, you know, waiting for some cataclysmic event to make a change. You know, I just, um, like what you described about, you know, your size or that really the deciding determining factor is mindset. You know, it's like that definiteness of purpose. Like what, you know, you know isn't it a decision? Like I am going to push farther. And it's like what you're saying that we're, we're, we're better than we believe we are. There's more inside of us than, you know, that maybe then other people would tell us or other people would even perceive. Yeah. I mean, so I've run uh, in the last few years. So my first big ultra. So until this point, so I've done two Ironmans, two half Ironmans, bunch of marathons, bunch of half marathons. And, uh, but so 2015, I did Ironman Lake Tahoe and then 2016, I think I just ran some marathons. So 2017, I set to where I'm going to go run an ultra. Um, so Which ultra is, is any, anything over a marathon. So anything over 26 miles, T- typically the first ultra distance running event is a 50 K, which is 31 miles. So I went and I'm living in the Midwest at the time. So Indiana elevation, you know, 300 feet. And I went and ran or signed up for Leadville. So Leadville, Colorado is at, 10,200 uh, feet. And then the course for the 50 miler anyway, went from 10,000 to 12,000. So you go through some, uh, you don't peak, but you go through some big um, kind of valleys between mountains. Wow. And it climbs, I think 8,000 feet over the course. And Leadville is one of the prestigious, one of the first 10, I think, hundred mile races. Wow. Um, so the hundred miler is like the big prestigious one, but they've created other, uh, events. So that was going to be my next kind of foray into distance. And, you know, you train at sea level to go to 10,000 feet. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I went up uh, kind of a week before and acclimated to that elevation. Um, I finished, so the cutoff I think is 14 hours and I finished like 15 minutes under the cutoff uh, for that. So I mean, kind of right at the the buzzer, but Leadville was probably the most prestigious race that I've done. I've done a couple other uh, 50 milers since, and it's just one of those things that you you get into it, and I mean, the world is uh, big, but to give you kind of a perspective on how many people run ultras in the world, there's, I think the numbers are like 4 million people run a marathon in a given year around the world. I think that's the number. Millions of people run a marathon every year. 70,000 people run an ultra and that's all distances. So from 50 K to 200 miles, 70,000 people will do an event every year. So can I just ask you like what, what happens at the times that there I'm, I'm imagining there has to be tough times when you get to a certain point, like what, what happens? Describe it to us. What 
Yeah. So for, so in a marathon you have, it's pretty easy to get out typically, right? You, you got an 810, you got, you just sit down, you're in a city somewhere, like help is readily available. So it's pretty easy to quit in a city marathon for trail running and ultras in particular you're six, seven miles between aid stations. And then those to get from that aid station out, you're either going to have to hike or wait considerable amounts of time to leave. Right. This is, we're in the middle of nowhere for the majority of these races. So you can either keep going or not, you know, and sit and wait for four hours where, heck you'd make it back <laughs> to right. wow. whatever by yeah. the time you know get out so a lot of it you have the that's your choice right you yeah. can either walk in or wait for a while so you typically choose to walk and that's it i mean that's the choices you make through those courses but what like what d- does your body start to hurt do you start to get have you ever started to get discouraged and you have to like fight in your mind to get back on. Yeah. So for ultras in particular, the thing that I haven't overcome yet is the night. So we still start pretty early, but like five in the morning. So it means dark for a good chunk of the beginning of the race. And then really the, so two of the races I tried to, or I went after for a hundred one, I made it to 62 miles and the other I'd stopped at 50 the night is not been my friend yet. So that's still something I have to overcome. And for the one race, I was also like, I followed a guy in that was falling asleep in front of me. Um, oh, wow. And I kind of stayed with asleep? him. To keep it. While he's yeah. Running? Yep. Is that possible? Is that a thing? Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, so like someone could fall asleep while they're running. Yeah. What do they do? So, they fall down. Yeah. So, I mean, like I, kind of helped to stabilize this guy going through and we're i mean there's some cliffs and stuff next oh to us God. so it's just like to make sure that this guy didn't fall off um but that kind of freaked me out coming into it and i was just like i'm i'm it you know i'm i'm good i had it in me physically just mentally i wasn't ready to to do that and then the same kind of happened in the next event i did 50 miles and then i knew i'd have to go back out and it was going to be a while to get through the rest of it. And I mean, I was already dragging, I was, you know, past some cutoffs. Um, so for me that it just wasn't my, my day to, to go and do that. But the night's been one of those things to still overcome to get to, you know, hundred miles. Cause you're not, you're not doing a majority of that race or so the majority is still in the, <clears throat> in the day, but at night that's when you're going to finish typically is, you know, And that's probably when you're most tired, most vulnerable, right? All of those things, your mind probably starts to play tricks if you can't see. Is it, is it like, like physically dark? Is there any lighting? I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, these are, you know, way out trails. There's no light pollution. I mean, you're running with a headlamp. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, and are there usually people around you? You're pretty much usually alone. Typically alone for the majority of the race, even so even some of the big races where there's, you know, a good amount of people, you're still like throughout parts of the race, you're going to just be alone. Um, There might be times where you meet up with people, but, you know, you're going to be 
between groups. So for like a hundred miles, especially on the back side of those events, you know, say 300 people registered by the end of it, you know, 40 might finish. Right. Wow. Yeah. So oh, you the, know what? I'm losing you. Races. Oh, oh, I, can I lost you, you yep. for a minute. Yeah, can you hear me? <laughs> We're good. Are you back? I am back. You know what I'm thinking? Like, it's almost like a metaphor for life. You know, if you think about, you know, I don't know if you can hear me or not. Did we start to lose one another? Got me? I can hear you. Okay. You're good. So it's like a metaphor almost for life. I feel like, you know, even if you, like... When you get to that place where you can't see, when your your mind starts to play tricks, it's like almost, you know, you could see that in different parts of people's lives, right? And it's like, you're saying, is, is that like a goal for you to push through that? Not that I'm asking that of you, because I'm not. Yeah, I mean, 100 miles is still like on my list, and then even some of the bigger races. So like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe Badwater, Tahoe, 200, like those races are still on the list to do at some point. And then it's just getting there, training hard enough, long enough to, to get there. And yeah. the other thing too is like, you see these, a lot of guys, you know, they've got um, people to run with on the backside and then it's just, you know, recruiting some people to come with me to come through right for the, the backside of those marathons. So, I mean, I could get to, 50s fairly easy now um 60s fine it's just it depends on the course and where those points are but to get somebody to run like if you know that you have somebody to run the last 25 with you know it becomes a lot easier to you know get to those points to not let somebody else down so you can get there so i mean that, like, there's going to be little tactics like that to get through it and it's truly like a mind game at that point not a I mean, physical, sure, like you got to train, but by and large, it's a, it's a mental game, not a physical one at that point. You know what I think is that it's cool, like when I'm listening to you talk, I'm, I'm imagining the whole timeline. And when you say, oh, like 50 is pretty easy for me now, like 60 is okay. Like, and if you think about just anybody starting out, nobody, people aren't going to say that. They're going to say, wow, you know, I could, I could do 10 or I could do five. And to them, that's a big reach. And like, that's such a, obviously a metaphor for how great people can get. It's like, you're saying to, you're sitting here and you're saying to me 50, yeah, 50, I could do pretty easy. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> like that is like impossible in my mind for me. But, but the idea is, is that if you just keep moving forward and reaching a little higher, and gaining that ground, like in whatever period of time, 75 miles is going to be nothing for you. Then 100 will be nothing for you. I don't know about nothing ever, but okay. But that you, it'll be seen the same way probably. Yeah, absolutely. And for, you know, everyone out there, like you don't have to go run 50, right? Like wherever is comfortable for you. And I mean, I've helped a number of people to run um, like their first marathon, right? They sign up for one, like, yeah, I'll go do it. And it's not like that big a deal to go and, and run with them. So for a lot of people, like you can see what I've done and know that it's possible and know that, 
you know, you can do it. Like I'm a normal guy. I'm not finishing in the top 10. I'm like, I'm completing these races, but you know, you don't have to be the fastest one out there. You just have to beat the cutoff times, which are pretty reasonable for most all these races. So if, you, if your starting point is a 5k or 10k or run your first half marathon, right? Whatever that is for you. Great. Like you don't have to go and run ultras at 10,000 feet. Like that's, it's a whole different game, but you can get to that point. So it's whatever level you're at, wherever you want to start, whatever you want to do, go for it. Like, don't let anybody stop you and just know that you can, right? There's tons of examples of people that have gone further and farther, but you know, I mean, there's guys that ran across the Sahara and did 50 miles a day, right? Like there's tons of examples out there of people that have done this great stuff. And then it's the question is, what do you, do with it right do you use it to benefit yourself and push you to go further or are you just like that's crazy i don't believe in that i can't do it and then you're done right you're just going to go sit back on the couch it's a choice you know i'll tell you something dylan like that's basically if we look at the entire like our whole the whole world basically the majority of the people are saying oh that's too much for me like that's the message you know, and we're so conditioned to stay in line with baseline mediocrity because anything outside of that, um, there's kind of this external autocorrect to keep us in this kind of box of smallness and mediocrity. And, and, the, and really the, the primary message uh, just that I want to get out there, that's why I wanted you on here because what I love about how you describe it, you are so unassuming. And me, I just want to scream what you're doing and you just won't do that. And you make it so obvious that anyone can do this just by the way you speak about it. Because you're not, you know, when we listen to people talk, like we listen to David Goggins, right? I mean, he's like, ah, fuck everybody. I'm going to run this thing and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kick. But you are like, doing these major things and you're modeling to us that it's possible. I, I'm, I'm going to tell this. I, now I kind of in a mini way know why we met because I'm going to give this little insight, something about me that you're going to, it has to do with running. It's embarrassing, but I'm going to tell it. So basically a long time ago in my life, I had a major skiing accident where I had to wear, have a brace on my leg. My leg went kind of backwards. And I, and from that moment, and I was young and I was fit and I just always loved to exercise or whatever move. From that moment on, I told myself that my knee hurt and I cannot run and I cannot jump. So I continued to work out in my life and I stayed fit. But I would always say anything I was in, oh yeah, I have a hurt knee, I can't run, I can't jump. I can't run, I can't jump. Always. For I I want to tell you maybe 20 years. And then I ha- every single morning, I write everything that I'm grateful for. That's part of my morning thing. And then I write a list of um, just dreams, goals. Any, it's like, it, it could be like, you know, I'm going to be a billionaire. It could be anything. And one of the things that was on my list all the time is that I'm, I would just write, I am a runner. I am a runner. I'm, and it's weird because that you're on this thing. And so, and then, um, I just slowly just 
I don't know what happened. I just decided and I went on a treadmill and I just said, I'm just going to run. And it hurt. My knee hurt. And then I just said to myself, I said, my knee is so strong. And I just started speaking to it and started saying like, you know what? You are fit. You are strong. You're a runner. And like, look at you. And I am telling you that my knee didn't hurt. And then I just kept doing it. And I'm like, my knee doesn't hurt. And then I started just playing with it in my mind. And I believe in that, that power that you are describing, but you're describing it in a very unassuming way. I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I want to scream to everybody. You know, you can physically do anything. When I hear people come in with ailments and they talk about people, our bodies are designed to do what they're told. So I tell me what you're thinking about what I'm saying. Do you have a, you look like you wanted to say something. I want to know if you. Yeah. So the first thing I always go to with knee problems, and especially for people that have run for a long time, your shoes are bad. Like that's my first go. <laughs> You're so logical. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. No, it's, it's so yeah. true because people will run for so long and like Nike's kind of screwed how we think about, uh, our feet. So your, your foot's a arch, right? It's a bridge. Yeah. So think of an arch bridge. Do you, where do you support an arched bridge? supported on each end right like you never see a support that's dead in the middle of an arch right that kills it so if your foot's an arch and every time you land it flexes down right so your your arch will flex down so it distributes all that pressure to your balls of your feet and your heel but if you have a post in it if you have arch support then it's going to throw this basically all this pressure and not allow your arch to release as a spring effectively. So then you're going to throw all that force straight up into your knee or your ankles, your knees, your hips, and that it hurts more runners. And especially people that have been running for a long time. Now your form is bad. Your Achilles is shortened because you have a heel. So your, your calf is shortened. It'd be like you wearing stilettos and then saying like, Oh, I wonder why my feet and my calves are, it's the same thing just on a, less scale with a heel in your foot so if you go to other shoes that have no drop so the front and the back are the same and no arch support then you're going to improve your running for everything so like barefoot uh, was a big craze in the mid early 2000s with born to run which is a great book um talking about it with the tarahumara indians and they you know run as a celebration and there's people that are like 80 and they're running in sandals right for 50 miles so most people have really it's by social norms and societal things with shoes that have screwed all of your function um, for your ankles, your knees, your hips by being in one is like tight shoes. So women's like heels are a perfect example where your foot is now wedged into a um, triangle. So you basically crushed in the front of your foot. So you now can't, take as much pressure so when you run on like the balls of your feet you don't have as wide of a surface area because your feet have been pushed in over a long period of time um it's just like if you had like gauges in your ears right they expand over time well if you do it the opposite way it's going to bring them in over time like your feet so like shoes have there's there's a few brands out there that are really good or you do barefoot running with like vibram the five finger uh toe shoes which might look funny but it's going to very much help your cadence and your ability to walk now the transition from a typical shoe into like a Byram or a 
five finger or whatever or ultras will take time because you're not used to using all those muscles so it'll take time to build up all of that but as much as some people say like don't worry about shoes or anything like that like do worry about your shoes because it's gonna it has structural implications to your knees your hips like everything your back um moving on up and that most people don't pay attention to those things like you're again the nikes because they look good well nike's gonna actually not help you same with brooks and most of the other running shoes Is out it there because so you're saying no uh, no arch right no arch support. yep and then like like you're not are you talking about just no, like yeah. flat like flat yep. shoes and it's yeah. so funny because flat shoes hurt my feet it's because you're not used to them exactly but this i feel like how did i live this long without learning this and no flip-flops too. That's the other one. Cause but with a flip-flops flip are flat, like they're flat, but what's they're the reason? Flat, but you're, so how you're grip, like you do sandals, but because you're gripping between the, uh, like the band of the flip-flop, yeah. your, your toes are gripping and yeah. that's not how your t like foot is meant to push. Right. So with your big toes gripping, now you're curling up everything else versus it just, you know, being able to, walk normally so you want to mimic barefoot as much as you can just our feet are not like you don't have any calluses or anything on your feet right our feet are pretty soft because we've worn shoes for the last 200 years you know what i feel like it does not matter how long i live somebody comes along with something that i've never even i always thought i had to have an arch and that you see everything is the way we perceive it that's it. I really want to thank you for that, that bit of information because I I had no idea. I'm gonna have to ask you like off camera one day, like what kind of shoe to get. And we're not endorsing anything, but you got what kind of shoe? Does it matter? Yeah. So Ultra is the brand that I wear for everything. A L T R A. Um, like they that, that's what I wear. It's amazing. So yeah. tell tell me like because we're probably I mean we've been talking for a while tell me like what you what what you, do you have like some main things you want to get across about all these I mean you've achieved an incredible amount I haven't asked your age I mean you can say say if you want but I mean for your where you are in life you've achieved a lot and you're going farther like you've already achieved things that people will never achieve in their life. And you're a young man. So like you got to give something like some sort of what would be the number one, two, and three. I'm putting you right on the spot that you would tell people to get where, get beyond where they are and to like, and to change the life into the life they want. What would you say? Yeah. So I just turned 30 and I phase one. So if you're familiar with that part, I, did 4th of July, I did two boat trips, my 30th birthday, all on phase one, so no alcohol. Um, Are you talking about 75 hard? Because you went out, by the way. You just went out. Yeah, phase oh. one. Mm -hmm. um, People don't know what so, it is. <laughs> so it's two workouts a day, 10 pages, gallon of water, progress picture. For phase one, you had a cold shower. And you're powerless, so you have to add three tasks, to, three critical tasks to your power list, and you need to complete your power list every single day for 30 days, and then 10 minutes of visualization on top of that. So, and no alcohol, stick to a diet, 
So for me, for phase one, so it's 30 days of all of that. I did it over a fairly like intense period. So what I can tell people is that you're capable of more than you think you are, right? You can, you can definitely do more than you ever thought you could. If you actually care and you commit to it, two is start today in whatever that looks like for you. Um, you can stack habits, whether that's reading 10 pages, whether that's drinking a gallon of water, whether that's exercising, whatever that looks like for you. I mean, I, I recommend you do 75 hard and all those phases, yeah. but start today, whatever that looks like. So I didn't commit to 75 hard for probably close to a year, but I stacked all the habits so that when I committed to 75 hard, like the gallon of water was easy. The workouts were easy. The reading was easy. It was already habitual in me. So to do it consecutively for 75 days was not that big of a deal. Um, so you can do more than you think you're capable of. You can, you know, start today in some way, shape or form. And then three, the big one is dream, dream bigger than you ever thought possible. Cause it'll, it'll come to you and write those dreams down daily and consistently the same ones over and over and over so that you ingrain those thoughts, those dreams, and it becomes more of a reality and easy for you to think about than whatever else your life was previously. So whether that's a dream car, a house, whatever, you know, write it down and do that consistently in as much detail as you can. You know, I'll tell you something, uh, just to piggyback on, I love everything you said, and I, you know, I try to practice everything you say, but I, a big takeaway I get from the things that you're saying is this idea that you're saying, you know, I love it that we start today, you know, keep our head, heart, and feet in the same place, and actually right now, the choice, the thoughts, the things that we decide to do impact everything going forward, and I love how you stack things because you know with 75 hard I'm on my third um, attempt I'm at 31 days today and basically you know to you I mean I understand it's not nothing because you believe in it but you know for you you do all these you know amazing things but for me it was you know I um, you know it's important it's a it's a big thing for me and it's like um, the idea of 75 hard is yeah it you know you get fitness results, but it's about mental toughness. It's about knowing like what um, Dylan is saying is that I can do hard things. I can do things that I thought I couldn't do. And, you know, last night I'm doing my second workout in a hurricane torrential downpour with like lightning and thunder. And basically my family's afraid I'm going to die outside working out, but it was the most invigorating high. And like, those are the times when you push through any of the barriers of fear of, of, um, of social norms of what other people say, like, Oh, it's dangerous out there. I'm like, well, yeah, there's like a, a tree could fall on me or lightning. So let me not be in open spaces, but let me not be under a tree. So let me figure out how to do this and work hard. And I stepped in poop, by the way, <laughs> when I was out there in the pouring rain. But anyhow, the, you're, the things that you're saying about stacking habits, 
you, you're like, um, you're like a testament of that. Cause you were describing how you just like, yeah, you're like, Hey, all right, I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to go with the, I'm going to rock climbing. I'm going to go with this running, these, this group of people. And then you just keep going higher. And that's, that's exactly what you're describing. And I'm going to, I'm going to utilize that, you know, in my own life. Um, the other thing that, you know, when you were talking about like I think about like the neuroscience, it's a big thing. Like I'm a neuro nerd and I think about just the way our brains work and that everything that you're describing, there's science to back it up that proves that what's happening in our body is, and in our brain, like these stacked habits, you know, the, the one thing that, you know, Ed will talk about, um, Ed Milet and, and you can just hear it in all the different circles is that make a decision and stick to it. You know, make a decision and marry it. In Think and Grow Rich, it talks about, you know, successful people make a decision quickly and they change it slowly. But unsuccessful people take a long time to make a decision and change it quickly. And, you know, it's, you know, making the decision and whether it's a good decision or not, I'm not talking about something immoral or, you know, really detrimental, but like making a decision and then marrying that decision with the intent, like no matter what that decision is, I'm going to make it work because I'm going to apply myself to the decision. Then it's going to be, then it's going to turn out great because I've devoted to it. And neurologically, it calms our brain activity down when a decision's made. So I feel like, and the thing that you're saying about dreams, I feel like it is factually known, it is backed by science that thought, thoughts create. I mean, it's so obvious, nothing happens without a thought bringing it to light. When I look at my lists, endless lists over the years of my dreams, I, I mean, the first building I bought, I'm going to have a one-story medical building. I remember I thought that, and I just kept writing it. It was so matter-of-fact. I'm like, ah. Uh, and one-story medical building, one-story medical... I wrote it, wrote it every day. I didn't even know I was writing it anymore. It didn't even mean anything to me. I didn't even want it anymore. I just wrote it because I was used to writing it. Do you know, I looked back, like, I was like, oh my God, I have a one-story medical building. How the hell did that happen? I have one. And I didn't even know that it was because of... It wasn't like, oh, I have this dream. Oh, I bought it. No, it just happened. It was weird. So it's like, you would be surprised. Our brains are goal-driven machines. We, we give it information... We implant it with emotion. It goes into our subconscious mind and it creates this freaking outcome that you're like, wait, how did that even happen? So, and I have story after story after story, like, like, and then open it, open it like next morning. I'm not even going to tell you this weird story, but opening up my, my bank account on my phone and because I was stressed over because I was buying this real estate, whatever. I'm like, oh my God, I need this money. I'm never going to die. And I open it up after like months of writing this goal down and this mysterious huge amount of money is my, in my bank account. I'm not lying. This is the honest truth. I swear to you there. I'm like, it's got to be a mistake. Somebody's going to come and take it back. And I couldn't, and it was from a legitimate source that would normally, that normally gives me money, like companies that normally give me money. And it was like, and it wasn't like a mistake, but it somehow, and the exact number was there that I wrote down for probably a year and it was there. So why am I saying all this? Because I'm backing up with enthusiasm because you are so humble. 
You don't even say, I'm so great. Look what I do. I'm going to say, you are so great. Look what you do. And I, I know you're never going to stop. Where are you going to be when you're 40? Dylan, where the F are you going to be when you're 40? Can I curse like Andy? You can. I can, right? Uh, I'm scared. Yeah. You, it's your show. <laughs> where uh, the fuck are you going to be when you're 40? That's what Andy would say, but much worse. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll see what California does and if I uh, stay here or not. But uh, for me, I mean, the companies are going to be, I mean, my first big goal is I'm going to save a billion hours annually for construction. And then, so that's kind of the big one. We'll see how quickly we hit that. And then, you know, I'll still be running. I'll still be doing all the ultra stuff. And that's, I mean, those are the kind of big things. Any other huge goal that you like a secret goal? Uh, I mean, one that's been on the list for a while is Badwater. So Badwater 135, it's a 135 mile race through okay. Death Valley. And then the other one that's been somewhat on the list, I haven't like necessarily committed to it, is the Tahoe 200. So you run around the Tahoe Rim Trail, 204 miles, I think is what it is. Um, so that's probably the two big ones. And then if I get back into Ironman, um, Norseman is the other one that I do, which is in... Um, where is that? It's in Norway somewhere in the, and you swim in the fjords. So you got to wear a wetsuit because it's like 40 degree water. Um, but that's, those are kind of the big athletic pieces for me. And then it's, you know, growing the company, having a couple hundred employees and saving a ton of time through construction. So let me ask you a question. Do you, uh, are you going to wear a black wetsuit? <laughs> yeah. Could you not do that ever again? What is wrong? What is going now? This is a total. I have to say this out loud. Here on Long Island, a woman just got eaten by a shark. No, it wasn't on Long Island. I'm sorry, it was Maine. You're like, yeah, big deal. <laughs> but listen to me. But why don't we just make them a different color? You look just like a seal. Like, come on, Dylan. You're a smart guy. Yeah, think I mean, about it. I don't think that's a big you don't deal. You think it makes what? You don't think it makes not, a difference? Not a big deal in the, like, well, in the fjords. I mean, like, I've swam in Hawaii and stuff. I'm not, You're like, missing that my point. You're not worried about it. I'm sure she wasn't either, Dylan. Okay, now, I'm talking all about mindset, and I'm implanting fear. I'm sorry. You're going to be thinking about it now. I'm sorry. But I'm just, that is like a, a pet peeve, but maybe the color doesn't even matter because it's a shadow with the light. Maybe they're not, they're not even... It's an, probably yeah, not it's even a color issue. So in usually, terms of like the, magnetic resonance for sharks is how they exactly. sense it. Anyway. So I sound like or a moron saying open cut or something. Like don't bleed and go in the water. Yeah, but it is true that they see a a freaking. It looks like a seal, and they kill it. All right, I'm going to stop talking because it's ridiculous. I just went all, totally off topic. All right, so. Is there anything you want to say to the people before we go? Because I'm so grateful you were here. Really, you can just, you can do more than you think you can and uh, keep going, you know, try new things, experiment and build the habits. And ultimately, you know, to the point earlier, what are you going to be the master at? What is going to be your craft? What are you going to choose to pursue? And pick one thing and go after that. I love that. The one thing. Did you read that book? I have. Isn't that a great book? It is. Yeah. It's It's, uh, misconstrued in a lot of places, but yeah. um, pick the one thing that you're going to be a, a master at. Yeah. I love that. It's a great, it's a great point. Cause it's like laser focus. Focus is power. 
Dylan, thank you so much for being um, here. It's so nice to hear your story and to, you know, I'm inspired, you know, and I'm going to, um, it just solidifies more of, of, you know, what I believe in. So I'm really grateful to have you. Thanks for everything. Is there anything yeah, you want to say about where people could find you? Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Dylan A. Mitchell, D-I-L-L-O-N A. Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L. Find me on LinkedIn, Dylan Mitchell, PE, uh, professional engineers, what that stands for. And then Kaobong Studios, and that's across all socials, K-O-W-A-B-U-N-G-A studios.com. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dylan. All right. Till next time, guys. Remember, mindset, focus, focus is power. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. We look forward to uh, any comments. Uh, you share, subscribe, like. We'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback or questions you have. Have a beautiful, blessed day.